Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Angry Sun Zone. Today, we've got a regularly scheduled, uh, and by regularly scheduled, I mean completely regularly scheduled episode uh, of uh, what we've been up to. So it's going to be a bit of a bit of a a mix today of uh, games we've been playing and gaming news, uh, things like that. Uh, we'll be talking. I'll be talking about It Takes Two, which I actually talked about in our Game of Our Year awards. Is a game I wanted to play this year in 2022, and in fact, I I have played it. Believe it or not, New Year's resolutions work sometimes. Who knew? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll be talking about that, uh, Santo. That that is my name. Uh, I'll be going over one of my favorite series of recent years and what a certain company's decision means for it. And I will be talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Or Arceus. I, I don't know which is correct. It's Arceus. <laughs> yeah, uh, my I'm favorite, My favorite laptop making company. I, I'm, I'm Alex. I, I'm the aforementioned Santo. And I'm Matt. It's time to get into the sun zone. And what better way to get into the sun zone than with late breaking news? This is this is a callback to one of our first episodes where we talked about a store closure, a digital store closure with the PSN stores. But Let, let's hope Fan Outcry can change, turn this one around as well. I don't know if that will happen because instead of Sony, this time it's Nintendo. <laughs> So, yeah, Nintendo's closing the Wii U and 3DS uh, eShops in what they say is late March 2023. Now, you'll still be able to re-download stuff that you've already purchased, of course. If that ever went away, then then digital games as a whole would just be dead. <laughs> but uh, along with that, uh, they're going to make it harder to buy games on those platforms like after the 23rd of this year you're not going to be able to add funds to your wallet so it's you know better make sure you have a multiple of five or ten or something in there (laughs) i i believe you might still be able to add funds from the switch yeah if you have your accounts linked those funds will still show up on the 3ds and wii u but that's pretty much the only way Yes, there there's roundabout ways to do that, but I th- I've heard that that's not actually available in all territories. Mm. <laughs> uh, because of course not. Um, but that's that's kind that's kind of hearsay. So what what if I add what if I add funds in a territory where that's allowed, and then try to spend them in a territory where that's not allowed? Uh, well, we're, is is it in in a country that's part of nafta mm, I don't so know. you might get taxed for that i don't know does uh does nintendo let people in iran buy buy games i i no idea <laughs> well anyways um so as far as like the wii u shop going down that's not the biggest deal because a lot of those games have been ported to the Switch already. I think the biggest outliers would be stuff like, I don't know if Bayonetta 2 has come to the Switch yet. Uh, yes, that 1 has, and okay. 2 have. 
Uh, what about like Wonderful One Hundred One? Uh, yeah, that's also going on a Switch port. Okay. Um, Pikmin Three. I think uh, I so. Think? <laughs> Nobody uh, knows because I'm the only one that plays Pikmin Pikmin games. <laughs> true, and like, yeah. So a lot, a lot of Wii U games have come to you know the Switch. So I don't think we're necessarily losing that much there. There is some something. Uh, they they just recently sold a lot. Um, once Dread was announced, people were just buying uh, Zero Mission and Fusion on the Wii oh, U yeah, eShop. The, I bought them because I'd never played them. Yeah, the oh, Wii U okay. eShop um, is... I think the Wii U eShop is the only platform where you could actually buy all of the old Metroid games. Yep. Oh, right. Weird virtual console splitting between the platforms because yeah. that's stupid. Uh, it, I mean, it does even have DS games on there as well. Um, but it, it, it's surprising this would come so quickly after they sold so much for the Metroid series after announcing Dread. Well, uh, then I'll just give them opp- opportunities to do the Samus Returns treatment to those games and sell them to you at full price. <laughs> so, they got the engine. <laughs> yeah. Um... But for the 3DS, that's a much bigger deal because there's so many games for the 3DS that are, like, take use of, you know, the two screens, having one of them being a touchscreen, that, like, a lot of those games just won't port over to other platforms very well. Um, like, one of, the, one of the series is Professor Layton. Like, those a lot of the puzzles in those games involve the touchscreen, and I don't know if the Professor Layton games have imported other platforms like the Phoenix Wright games have. Funny enough, I think the best system they would port to is the Wii U. Yes, t- two screen experiences. <laughs> they need to um, release some kind of like crazy firmware for the Switch that allows you to have it undocked, and then ha- have the dock like display shit somehow. I don't know. <laughs> But you just gotta have like two we use that that talk to each other. A USB C to HDMI cable. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I know there's some stuff in the dock, right? Yeah, there's some hardware in there. I don't well, know. Like how maybe much. a cable that has the dock hardware built in in line somewhere. I don't think there's <laughs> enough hardware in the dock to connect wirelessly and stream. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, but there's there's other games too, like as loath as as I am to admit the Fire Emblem games on 3ds. When this when this was announced, that it was happening. I saw Awakening just trending on Twitter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> who who knows? Maybe the maybe the remake of two that I haven't played yet that I now have to buy uh, is good. But what's gonna happen to all the waifu simulators? That. Uh, I, do I have a platform for you for those? It's called a smartphone. <laughs> um, but the, the most tragic uh, series that like was it, it lived on the DS and 3DS for me is Etrian Odyssey. Uh, I adore these games. I think they're some of the best uh, role-playing games of a long time. Yeah, it's just going to become, like, a lot more difficult to acquire these games because, like, they did not have very 
large physical runs of these games. Like these were pretty niche, honestly. Yeah, Etrian Odyssey's been kind of like this this kind of cult RPG like for a while now. Mm-hmm. And so it's gonna be it's cult status is just gonna go up. Because yeah. it's gonna become hard to find. I mean on on the plus side, you know, 3DS emulations are I mean regular DS emulation is pretty good from the little I've tried of it and I'm sure 3DS emulation is either there or going to get there. Like, uh, I know how much people love uh, taking Nintendo games and putting them on PC and getting sued for it. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, like, Etrian Odyssey, uh, to give a brief description of the series, is uh, it's a love letter to old school dungeon crawler RPGs where... It's first-person, tile-based, when you are traversing all the dungeons, random encounters, very punishing. And the most unique feature about these games is that you have to draw your own map on the bottom screen. And it sounds like this is just tedium, built-in tedium for you, but, like, it's actually really satisfying to, like, just, like, roam, roam around and, you know, draw your little map while you while you explore. And if you do end up, like, dying, you you're, could save your map data so you don't have to redraw it again so you know what's going on. And where the map drawing comes in super handy is that there's... Uh, these enemies that roam the map called FOEs. Foes. Enemies and foes. Here's the thing though. They're not foes. They're FOEs because that's an acronym for Formido Opugnatura Exequence in the United States. Or Is that Latin? Or Foetus Obrepit Erebundus in Europe. Or field on enemy in Japan. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, English is English has got that 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 kind of same Latin flair in Japan as as Latin does yeah. here. So F- famously, met uh, a few Final Fantasy characters had different names in the regions because you know Tina is a very exotic sounding name in Japan, but not here. So she became Terra for Final Fantasy VI, or the whole Eris Aerith thing. <laughs> it's still Eris, goddammit. I'm in North America, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. But back to these FOEs, I'm, I'm not going to call them by their other name ever again, probably, uh, because it's ridiculous. Uh, these enemies are like souped up extremely powerful encounters for the areas that you're in when you first encounter them. So it's almost like a puzzle in how you approach them because you can either approach them in two ways. Uh, you try to avoid them as best you can, which involves you have to take advantage of the terrain around you to try and like uh, make them like follow you around so you can get around a choke point that they might be guarding. Or there's a bunch of different like terrain gimmicks that you can use like boulders and secret passages and stuff like that to get around them. Or you have to approach them like a combat puzzle where you're fighting this enemy that you're not supposed to be fighting at this, at this very moment, but how can you best utilize 
your options to take them out. So that's something that's a defining feature of these games that I think is... It makes them a lot more interesting than traditional JRPGs that are just like, you know, you go into an area, you fight these enemies that aren't really that much of a tr- that much trouble. You, you know, know how to beat them like the second time you encounter them. Repeat 20 to 25 times until you find the boss and then that's an might be an actual challenge, might not be, who knows. Like having these super powerful enemies littered around the map for you to fight or have to avoid makes just the moment-to-moment gameplay of actually traversing the areas more engaging. And as well, one of the other things that Etrian Odyssey does so great is that, like old-school RPGs, you set your party uh, from the start, basically. And, well, kind of. You can always recruit new characters, but the game is... It's difficult to grind new characters up <laughs> in a lot of cases because it's fucking difficult. But, you know, you can fill your party up with whatever combination of character classes that you want. There's like, you know, 10 plus character classes in each of the games. So you can have a variety of team compositions. You can have multiples of certain characters some of the time, though in a few very uh, funny circumstances, if you have multiples of like, the, the tank class against, like, one of the super bosses. They'll just use, like, a, a special move to just overkill your entire party just because, like, that would actually break the encounter. <laughs> so it's just like, no, you're not allowed to do that. As well, all these different character classes usually have, like, two different paths that you can take them and in terms of, like, what their role is, and then you can mix and match the skills, so... There's a ton of customization to your party, which allows you to take on all these different combat encounters in very unique ways. Like, I tried in each of the games to, uh, like, the first few games, I always just took the medic class every single time, because, like, I want healing. You you need healing. Um, But the later games, I started, like, testing myself and just saying, okay, I'm not going to take the pure healing class all the time. I'm going to try and, like take you know an off healer and like an off tank to try to make the game more interesting from my perspective and those ended up being like engaging in very different ways where i didn't have the panic heal button but i had you know a lot of those fights ended up turning into damage races instead and that's like really flying by the seat of your pants kind of gameplay there which as i've said in a previous podcast that's exactly what i want out of a jrpg i want every turn to be meaningful in a turn-based game and etrian Aussie accomplishes that in spades uh nice i mean that's that's one thing that a lot of turn-based games sometimes do wrong is that you're just kind of going through the motions on some turns and it's not actually there's no decision making yeah and it's like like I've been, I've been playing a bit of, I've been playing a bit of chess recently, and I mean that's <laughs> the original turn-based game. The original turn-based game, but like that's that's one thing chess does incredibly well is that every single turn is a big deal. You can lose the game in one turn. Absolutely. Should try some five D chess. I, Absolutely not. <laughs> I I I I kind of want to, and I kind of don't. I have it on my wish list. Every time I see it on sale, I'm tempted. <laughs> yeah, one, one one of these days. But uh, 
Back to Etrian. I, I, I've played a little bit of them myself, and I've enjoyed what I've played. I played uh, a decent amount into one and four, but I never finished either of them. Mm. Um, the only one I've actually finished is Persona Q. Right. There's that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have Persona Q2. haven't played that one yet, though, but... Um, I keep forgetting that that came out. I, I may act... That's actually one game I might have to buy on the eShop because my cartridge for Persona Q just crashes on boot up now. Oh. And I've looked at... I'm not the only one. Apparently, it's a problem with that cart. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Um. I guess I'm glad I bought it digitally then. Um, <laughs> but you bought like the special edition, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that that's another thing is that yeah they made a you know Persona, a two Persona Etrian Odyssey games that's basically just like you know an Etrian Odyssey game with a Persona skin uh, on it because um, they're both franchises owned by Atlas and Persona Q I. Enjoyed for the most part, but uh, later on, like so many of the enemies had so many resistances that uh, some of the encounters became kind of a slog. Yeah. But if you really like Persona and what I'm saying about Etrian Aussie intrigues you, I think those are perfect jumping on points because I also found them not to be not quite as punishing as the Etrian Aussie games can be because holy crap. They are in the same way that something like, you know, uh, Super Meat Boy, like, harkens back to old school massacre, like, really tough platformers. Like, this is, like, harkens back to old school, like, might and magic, where there's just bullshit lurking around every corner. It's, like, nothing's explained to you and shit like that. Um, luckily, this is... it. And it does that in a way that I think is quite well done, where it's, it is being mean on purpose, but it's being mean on purpose through modern game design a lens, where when, some, when something kind of bullshit happens, it doesn't feel quite as bullshit as some of those old school RPGs, where it's just like the developer just like cackling at the fact that they just, you know, poisoned your entire party and then threw you into an encounter with enemies five that are five levels greater than you. <laughs> Etrian Aussie only does that once and they don't poison you beforehand. <laughs> On the first floor of the first fucking game, those goddamn venom flies. Um, th there is one other spinoff that I don't know if you've played. They all, there's also Etrian Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, I've... I have not played that. Is that, is that like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon? Supposedly, I'm pretty sure that's what like the gameplay is based off. I've also never played any of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, so it's just not something I've checked out. Yeah, um, so it, apparently it has the class system from Etrian Odyssey, but the dungeon crawling from Mystery Dungeon. Okay, I know next to nothing about the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, though. Etrian Odyssey has had a lot of games in, in the series though like you Alex you, you said like oh it's a cult, like you know, kind of a cult series well a lot of cult series don't actually have that many entries into them Etrian Aussie has had six games wow I didn't even know it was that many 
Every Odyssey itself has had six games. Then there's this, the two Persona Q spin-off games that are pretty much Etrian Odyssey. There's Etrian Mystery Dungeon, and there's also been two uh, remakes of the first and second game as well. Man, they were just going ham on this series. So what was the reasoning behind those? Re- Is it because they're not as story-heavy as the other games, and they want... Because, like, that, that's what it looks like to me. They uh, want to add some more story to them. Uh, they're, like, a smidgen less... The first two games are a smidgen less story than the other games, but uh, the first two games were definitely the, uh, the designers of Etrian Aussie like, getting their feet wet. Those two games are incredibly difficult to go back to. Uh, they are completely unbalanced... Uh, punishing and so- sometimes in really really awful ways and like they're they're rough. Um, the first the first three games were on DS. Now Etrian Odyssey three they completely like remapped all the classes are all new. They're actually really cool and they I think that that one was like the start of where it was polished enough that I'm like okay I can maybe recommend this to somebody who's only slightly crazy. Uh, and then the 3DS games is when, like, they became polished enough, like, the, especially on, on the visual side, like, the anime sprites are now animated 3D models instead of static images, uh, and they also added some, like, cool stuff, like, like in 4, they, they split it up so that each dungeon... So, normally in the Etrianasi games, it's one gigantic labyrinth that has... 30 floors that you sequentially go down whereas Etrian Odyssey 4 split it up into multiple dungeons that were smaller in scope like main dungeons that were like 5 stories but then a few side areas that were like 2 or 3 also if I remember correctly from what little of 4 I did play I remember flying around in an airship yes you get an airship every good RPG has an airship in Etrian Odyssey 3 you only had a boat what, what, what even is that? That's a water airship. That's a first half of the game kind kind of a transport mechanism. There, you, you, we need we need the fucking airship. So yeah, so the first two games were like kind of rough. So when they re remade them, they cleaned them up a, a fair amount, and they also added a proper story mode with defined characters that had actual personalities and like like dialogue for like all the quests and shit. Uh, whereas otherwise like your party members are I mean you you choose what they look like but they're in, essentially faceless. <laughs> they they don't have any like bearing on what happens and they they never speak pretty much. You just choose from one of four character portraits. Yeah. Hey, in the later games, you got to cho- choose their hair color and eye color and skin color and stuff uh, alongside the four portraits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Etrian Odyssey Nexus was the sixth game, the most recent game of the series, and that was kind of like positioned as like a love letter to the series uh, because this was released like after the Switch was already out. So, like they, they were like okay, the system, um, the system's going away, uh, and so that one actually has a bunch of like the labyrinths from older games and a lot of enemies from older games, like re- remixed and stuff like that. It's and like a 
ton of classes, way more classes than any of the other games, and as well as, you know, these are classes taken from those other games, so for somebody like me who had played all of them up until that point, like, it's, it was, like, pretty fan service but a, a really, a really fun playthrough. I, I'm still, like, uh, poking away at it every now and then. So, yeah, like, this, I think this series is pretty awesome at what it sets out to do, which is to be a very challenging uh, role-playing game, and it's it's a game that was unique to those platforms because of the map-drawing aspect to them. And it's something that I think, like, we might not really see another one ever. Yeah, it just feels like, like from what I've played, it it wouldn't feel right on a single screen system. Having to bring up a menu to draw your map instead of just flawlessly just having the touchscreen there to just be able to map as you go. Yeah, like, the Switch has a touchscreen, but I don't know if the, like... I don't necessarily think the screen is wide enough for it to really, like, be able to have, like, the map and, you know, your gameplay, like, side-by-side like that. It's kind of odd. Could have the uh, Switch uh, held on its side, kind of like... Um, Ikaruga. Ikaruga, yeah. <laughs> portrait mode, baby. And Everyone likes portrait mode, right? And for the love of God, don't put an Entry and Odyssey game on phones, because I don't want to have to draw w- with my goddamn finger. That sounds <laughs> awful. Listen, drawing with the three, like, the freaking DS stylus was already a dicey enough proposition. Okay? Like... Uh, so, or in your case, a Lego spear. Yes. Uh, so I have given away both my DS styles and my backup DS styles to people that had lost theirs. But I can't. But I found out that the like brown like Lego spear that would come with like a lot of older Lego sets, it fit into the back of the regular DS like better than the official stylus did. Yeah, like the little wing on the spear was just it was perfect to just go into that little notch that would hold the uh stylus in, but it held it in better. Yeah, it would stick out a little bit, but still like I can fucking if I want to go grab my, my regular DS right now, it would still have a Lego spear in the back of it. It's just that good. So yeah, like that's Etrinasi, an awesome series that is going to become impossible to acquire in its legal form, pretty much. I'd uh, I'd put it uh, right in the same right in the same boat as another game that I just feel works perfectly with the two screen setup, and that's Wind Waker HD. I never really? played the original Wind Waker on GameCube. But from what I've heard, I heard of like having to constantly keep pausing to bring up your map and see where you're going versus just constantly having the map on the Wii U gamepad and just being able to keep sailing without bringing the map up. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I only played Wind Waker on the GameCube, but definitely there were times where you'd be constantly checking the map. Yeah. Also... Wind Waker HD had a couple of the quality of life improvements in regards to sailing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I got that for free 
I'm pretty sure. I don't remember how. Uh, I, I think you got, I think you got your Wii U, like, around the same time I got mine, and at the time there was the promotion that if you bought a Wii U, you could select, on the Nintendo site, when you register the Wii U, you could select a free game. See, I'm pr I think that I did do that, but I, it must have been something else, because I swear I did that and I got Game & Wario. So I don't know how I got Wind Waker HD. Hmm. Because I, I remember I got the Mario Kart 8 bundle, and then I claimed Wind Waker. Because I'd, I'd never played it, so that was a good good first two games to have for my Wii U. Mm. Solid. Solid so, picks. Uh, though I am disappointed that the Mario Kart 8 bundle did not include... Um, what was what's the tie-in game? What, what was the bundling game that your Wii U came with? Oh, Alex? Nintendo Land. Nintendo Land. It did not include Nintendo Land. Okay, sadly. yeah. Short aside about Nintendo Land, uh, Nintendo Land is the the best. Maybe not best, but it's one of the most unique mini game packages I think that Nintendo's ever put together. And I'm very sad that so many of the ideas that that game had basically never got followed up. Um, like there were so many cool asymmetric multiplayer uh, mini games in Nintendo Land that, per, like Nintendo, didn't even really do much with those ideas in their main uh, franchises. And then pretty much no third-party developers tried to experiment with that type of gameplay. The only other thing I could think of was in I think Mario Party Ten. It had a 4v1 mode where the one is Bowser. Yeah, there's something about that, but I... I, I never touched it. That's like the only game that even attempted anything of note, as far as I can remember. Well, speaking of uh, multiplayer, Alex, you played a game that is exclusively multiplayer. Yeah, so I've been, I've been playing It Takes Two with uh, my girlfriend, and I gotta say, I like the game a lot. Uh, I can understand why it won Game of the Year. And you know what? It's not a perfect game. It, it, it's it got some problems, too. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. So It Takes Two is... I think a lot of outlets put it on their Game of the Year lists for 2021. Uh, especially if they had a co-op uh, mm -hmm. slot in their Game of the Year. Or a multiplayer slot in their Game of the Year rankings. And honestly, I see why. Like, the game is, for the most part, extremely polished. Uh, like, it, it, it looks great. Like, it's got a great design aesthetic. Uh, it basically feels like you are playing a Pixar movie. And, like, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, there's not a lot of games I've played that, that really, like, feel... Like, they're full of life like that. And uh, it's got a reasonably good story as far as video games go. <laughs> uh, best family game. <laughs> yeah, best family game. I gotta say, like, uh, the best family game thing is, like, almost a little bit of... Almost a little bit of a troll. Because, like, the game has some scenes which are absolutely brutal. Um... I don't know if you play... I don't know if I would recommend playing it with, like, a small child. Because, like, there are some scenes that would probably make a small child cry. 
<laughs> I, I, the only thing I've seen about that game, or the only thing I've seen from that game, is something to do with a teddy bear. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, it's an elephant. An ele- yes. And um, it's, it's, it's a murder scene. And, like, the stuffed animal is, like, begging for its life. Okay, and your character's like, no, we have to do it. We have to, we have to kill this, 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 this princess elephant. And it's like, and the game just makes you do it. And it, and it draws it out so long. You can tell the developers were really having, having like a time just screwing with you as a player (laughs) uh, in, in that entire segment. And like they they have the characters kind of question it like a little bit and like oh, is this really like what we should do and then uh, no yes no we have to do it and then of course <laughs> of course it doesn't work and doesn't actually advance their goals and move the plot forward except like oh we just we just we just killed like a stuffed animal that we didn't have to kill for basically no real reason. You know, I, I, I like that they do that because I've you know, so many games have moral choice systems that it just are completely worthless that sh- are not well thought out at all to have some just say like no you have to do this awful thing like that's actually kind of refreshing yeah yeah, yeah. I mean overall uh, so this is getting a little bit further than I was I, I wasn't going to talk about this till later but the game's actually very linear the game is pretty much as linear as they get. I think the only way the game could be more linear would be if it was entirely a (laughs) Um, side-scroller. Which is not necessarily a a bad thing, actually. I think that, like, where the game is coming from is is really that it's, it's about, like, the experience of going through the game, right? Um, this game is in some ways closer to a movie than like a game. Um, like I said, it's very linear, uh, but there's a lot of emphasis on really cool like uh, set pieces, um, novel gameplay mechanics that come and go. Like every world or chapter or whatever you want to call it actually has a unique um, gameplay mechanic. Some of them are a bit more puzzly, um, but some of them are not. Like, the game switches genres, uh, like, sometimes very dramatically, uh, which I actually think is it's kind of cool. Like, it's a co-op game, but it's not stuck in its puzzle platformer sort of box. It is mostly a puzzle platformer. I'd say it's about 70% puzzle platformer, you know? And then it's about 20% third-person shooter. <laughs> okay. Um, it's uh, it's 5% Diablo like <laughs> because it just has a Diablo section basically sure um and it's like very very simple right there's no level mechanics or anything but like the actual like ability recharge and like it's it's totally just a top down like kind of brawler dungeon crawling game um it's kind of reminding me of what Yoko Taro likes to do with the near games where like just all of a sudden the gameplay just completely yeah. changes. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh uh it's 4% racing game uh through several types of different types of racing. Uh 
There are multiple vehicles and modes of transport in this game. Uh, and then uh, and then it's 1% fighting game. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is exactly one fighting game segment. One fight. Please tell me that after you beat the game, it just unlocks the fighting game mode I, I don't menus. think it does. I don't think it does. Um, actually, it's not entirely true. There's also mini games... Uh, because the the sort of the plot is that you know you're a about to be divorced couple that magically gets brought into some crazy Pixar world where you're made, made of yarn and acorns and things like that. But the uh, although you're trying to work together, there's also a bunch of competitive mini games. And the mini games just are totally all over the place, right? Like you have some mini games that are, like classic Mario Party style, just like competitive button mashing games, or maybe like knock the barrels off a off a shelf kind of targeting games. You know, there's a shuffleboard variant. Ooh, a competitive shuffleboard variant. I actually like. I actually really enjoyed the competitive shuffleboard variant in the game because it it's it's got. A dynamically change like it's got a different board with obstacles every time so every time you get different obstacle shapes that you have to like bounce your shuffling your shuffle puck to the end through and they actually like seem to get more complex as you keep playing and i don't know i just i just love that i just love that that kind of stuff where you, you take a simple concept and you just like you add weird obstacles to it you know it's like mini golf in mario golf you can do tons of weird stuff in virtual golf or virtual mini golf you couldn't do in real golf or mini golf so you know lean into it they leaned into which they leaned into a digital shuffleboard <laughs> which like i i didn't expect for sure uh overall though like uh the game really is about kind of like more of an experience and actually this is not surprising if you understand that the director of the game uh actually used to be a movie director yep and then he moved into making games um just because i guess sure uh you I like playing the game i can totally see it and it makes a lot of sense right like there are sections where the game just kind of like doesn't really have much control um, and, but there's like a lot of stuff visually happening on screen that's like interesting because it's kind of like a, a scene where stuff is happening, right? Yeah, like I, as I said, I haven't seen much of this, but I have uh, seen a, well, I've seen multiple playthroughs of their previous game, A Way Out. And yeah, it feels like a movie. Yeah, yeah. So the, they've been, they've made, I think this is their, I think this is the third game of this concept of just like a, a two-player focused co-op story kind of experience. Um, and there's definitely a lot of small touches that are really incredible. One of the small things that I don't think I've seen in this game, or I don't think I've seen before in a game, is that the screen ratio between the two players dynamically changes. Yes. Uh, depending on what's happening. So if one player has some sort of challenge uh, that requires them to 
th that require that they need more screen real estate to successfully complete, and the other player doesn't, they'll shift it so that instead of half and half, it's like two thirds and one third. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that in a way out as well, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the main things I remember from that. Yeah, way, yeah, like, like you, you bring that up, and I just immediately think of the hospital scene in a way out. Yeah, I think it's really cool, and I like it a lot, and I think it's incredibly well implemented. It's totally seamless, um, and they also sometimes actually bring the screen out to a full, just single screen experience where both players are on the screen as well. Uh, Again, like it depends on this happens for for different reasons. There's some there's some sections that are almost like an interactive cutscene where there's something you have to do, and but you're like the camera is at a fixed angle, and so it just puts you in uh, like together on the one screen and just you know zooms the camera out if you get too far apart. Uh, but then other times, you know, it has a single camera instead of split screen because it's in a two D platforming section. Right. Uh, other times, like you'll go into that just for cutscenes, and it smoothly transitions into the cutscene and out of the cutscene. So the camera, like the dynamic camera, is actually extraordinarily well done in this game. Uh, like the game has probably one of the one of the better like default cameras that I think I have ever seen in like a third person kind of platformer shooter thing. <laughs> Uh, especially because it switches genres, like it's very important that it has like good camera uh, angles. The characters also like the dialogue. I I, I like the dialogue a lot. Um, the husband and wife like just subtly digging on each other. Like it's pretty. It's pretty funny sometimes, and the the sort of core. Uh, plot device is that, you know, there's a magical book that's turned them into these like doll things, right? And the book comes alive and is a vivaciously sexual Spanish man <laughs> who is also a psychologist that's trying to fix their relationship or something. I don't know. It's insane. It's completely insane. The characters know it's insane and are constantly like, like, just just shitting all over him and I'm, I'm just there kind of just laughing because it's it's absurd but it's absurdly hilarious last year was a good year for uh, sentient books with this and uh, near replicant yep yep <laughs> grimoire vice yeah uh, another thing that I absolutely adore in this game uh, is the diegetic tutorials Okay. It's going to be our uh, $10 word for tonight. So diegetic versus non-diegetic. Diegetic things are in the medium, inside the universe. Non-diegetic is outside of the universe. Get a kill with that in um, Battle Royale. Oh, God. Oh. That would be incredible. <laughs> um, so the, the term diegetic often comes uh, up for things like, say, music, where, like, the characters hear the music or something in a film or comes up in video games sometimes where diegetic menus are menus that are actually in the universe, right? Dead Space uh, was big on this, where all of the ammo counters in Dead Space and menu systems in Dead Space are diegetic menus because they are in the universe. So when you get stuck on a puzzle and it takes two, uh, the characters just start throwing shade at each other 
and uh, insulting the other player who has not done the thing that they are supposed to do while telling them what that player is supposed to do. And so, like, the wife will insult the husband with something like, you know, what are you doing? Why haven't you uh, shot the nail up at this uh, board, right? Because nails are an item that you have that are used for puzzle solving. And you as the player are supposed to do that to progress. And it's telling you what to do, but it's telling you what to do by having one character insult the other character. I, I, I've never seen tutorials in the character dynamic before. That's really, that's really interesting. I like it a lot. And uh, so that's, that, that's cool. It's a nice touch. It's, it's subtle. Uh, but it, it, it's so much more fluid than, you know, something like, say, like if there's a, a tool tip that pops up or, you know, some like in the Mario games, if you can't get past the section, it'll have a, a, a P wing, wing yeah. right? Easy like, mode. Easy mode. But, you know, having having one character tell the other character what to do and also tell that's also you know, directed at the player. It's a cool way of solving the problem. Uh, so I, I have to have to point it out. Yeah, like that's that's really interesting and kind of awesome that it, it, it takes that burden off of the two people actually playing the game who, you know, I, I, I imagine a lot of people might be playing this like with their partners and it's just like, you don't necessarily want to tell your partner, what are you doing? Why have you shot the nail into the thing? But the game will do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to sound like a prick. Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're like, because I'm not going to lie, if you're actually at all well-versed in video games, the game's really not hard. It's a very straightforward uh, game. It's pretty much always obvious what to do and where to go. Um, it's not hard. It's almost impossible to die. Uh, the only time you really can even die at all is typically in boss fights. And uh, if one player dies at a time, you just respawn by pressing A or something. So the only time you'll actually die and go backwards is if both players die at the same time, which tends not to happen much. So... I, I like I like the game a lot, and it, it really is like an it, it's an interactive story. Uh, that's that's very that's got strong visual design. It's got str it's got strong writing as far as uh, the the genre goes. Like it's not as good as a Pixar movie. The the writing is not Pixar level by far, uh, but it's it's still way better than most co op games, and probably better than most video games in general. I'd say, although that is a low bar. Now yeah, let's just insult the medium on this video game podcast. Yeah, listen, I love it. Video games, I, get your shit together. I, I love it, but I'm not. I'm not going to pull punches here. Video games are not known for incredible storytelling. Um, so it's time to talk about some things I don't like about this game, and the biggest one, honestly, is performance issues. Really? Yeah. Uh, and the thing about the performance issues in this game are that they're weird. So. Uh, my computer can run this game, so I'm playing it on PC. My computer can run this game, and the average frame rate's 90. And despite that, for some reason, it has visual tearing. 
if I try to turn the frame rate to a fixed 60, the tearing gets worse, uh, and the V-Sync doesn't work at all, which is just weird. I, I don't know what's up with that at all. Uh, and uh, also the game just has weird stuttering problems. Like, so it'll go from running at a straight 90 frames a second, and then there's like a single frame that'll take a noticeable like delay to render, and then it'll go straight back to 90 frames a second. It's weird. I, I've never seen, I've never seen a game with such a high average frame rate have such bad stutter. Like it's it's just weird. yeah, it's not great. It's incredibly annoying. Um, it does tend to happen more often uh, when you're kind of at the beginning of a section because it's clearly loading in the background. Uh, so I think that part of it has to do with weird loading code or something mm. like that. Although I'm running it off of a solid state drive that can transfer one gigabyte a second, so I don't know. Like it shouldn't be a big issue. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but Unreal Engine games still have fucking Poppin. <laughs> Dexter Poppin. Poppin's nowhere near as bad as Halo Infinite. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing... So, so that's that's what it is. Maybe I'm assuming that you won't run into that on consoles, but just be aware on PC that it's maybe not... If you have a console, you might prefer it on console. I play with controllers on PC anyway. It's really a controller game. Uh, I would recommend playing with a controller personally. Otherwise, what? Like two people are gonna have to hunch over a keyboard? Yeah. Also, how, how how would it even how would it even work? It's also a couch co-op game, so like, it's what do you? Couch co-op exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing if you're trying to play with mouse and keyboard. Um, another thing I don't like, but I understand why they did it, is that the levels are. Uh, so you can tell that they've put lots of care and attention into this game, and some of that care and attention went into making sure that uh, you cannot abuse the level geometry, which I am upset at. <laughs> uh, because there are many like little odd bits and doodads that look like you should be able to jump on them, and you can't. And I know that they, like, it's very obvious that they went and, and put like it's obvious that they went back and changed parts of the level geometry in order to like prevent you from uh trying to sequence break at all but i'm just like come on just let me jump on the level geometry that clearly is wider than me yeah, so it's got like you know big invisible wall syndrome it's got big invisible walls <laughs> everywhere like i i uh, there's a snow biome and in the snow area, there's like hills and some of the hills are kind of small. And it, it's very obvious that you are jumping like two to three times as high as the little like rocky or snowy outcrop is tall. And yet, despite that, you still can't go on top of it, even though it's like right beside the area where you're walking. And that just, it annoys me so much, <laughs> so much. Yeah, well, that's... Come on, developers, just let us explore. Well, I, that, that's a bit of a difficult problem for that game because, like like you said, Alice, it is extremely linear, so there's not really much exploring you can do. Yeah, there's no real point to exploring in the game anyway because there aren't really any secrets. The closest thing it has to secrets are just the minigames 
the competitive mini games because most of the competitive mini games are actually slightly off of the path uh, that you have to follow through the level. Uh, and sometimes there's like, uh, there might be a special wall you have to jump over uh, to get to the other side or like a, uh, a different path to take. Okay, so, well, I mean, ne never mind. I was going to be like, well, yeah, sure, invisible walls. Like, what can you do? Like, this game, like you said, has very, like, dynamic, changing camera angles. You kind of have to be able to put that camera anywhere. So having a bunch of invisible walls, whatever. But if they are putting stuff off the beaten path that you have to find yeah. and still littering it with invisible walls, that, to me, is a problem. <laughs> I mean, it's not that far off the beaten path, and it's usually, like, pretty obvious where they are. But, but yeah. I, I don't like the invisible walls. I don't like the level geometry that they clearly removed, uh, like, pathing from. I, I shouldn't... Like, there's er, there's an early section that has some sort of clockworky things and, and, uh, and, and odd bits like that. And it really looks like you should be able to, like, do some crazy, like, off-the-beaten-path platforming in that area, and you just can't. And it disappoints me. I can understand the invisible walls in sections where everything's just on one camera. Because if someone manages to get off screen and the camera's locked... Yeah, those are not the sections I'm talking about, though. Oh. Uh, hmm. Because you're right. And those particular sections where it does that, it's usually very obvious uh, like what, where you're going and what you're supposed to do. But... Anyway, I mean, honestly, I think overall, like, those are sort of small complaints in the context of the game. Like, if you're looking for a challenging game, like, this isn't it. It's not a challenging game. It's a fun game, though. And it's a fun experience. Like, like I, don't, I haven't really been talking too much about a lot of the things that I do love about the game, because uh, it would really just take away from playing the actual game. Uh, like there's so many, there's so many incredible characters that come out of nowhere that you just don't, you wouldn't expect. Um, like the game plays with a lot of, a lot of tropes that are really funny. Like there's an interrogation scene. Okay. <laughs> and the interrogation scene starts out and it's very similar to, you know, any sort of, you know, police interrogation scene you might see in a movie but then it does some things that it can do because it's a video game that you wouldn't be able to do in a regular movie and it's really funny i don't want to say too much more than that because that whole actual section's uh filled with just like silly movie tropes that are kind of incredible uh that are slight that have just been like like you can i can tell that the the people who made this game like they really wanted to use the medium of video games to make a movie-like experience, but try to push it into new directions with slightly different turns on classic tropes that you can't do in a regular movie because of how movies work and because of the expectations of a movie. So, I, like, there's a lot of little things that that are pretty cool. Um, but any any one of those things doesn't even last that long. This is a game where they will make like this is a game where they they spent a bunch of time and a bunch of money on assets 
on music, on textures and things that they use for a one-off, like, two-minute scene, and then it's never seen again. Like, the movie has an incredible amount of, like, art... like of, of artistic work that went into like various set pieces uh, that just aren't seen again, much in the way that you would see for a movie where they want to just make a cool scene and then that's it, right? Like you don't reuse a cool scene in a movie unless it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> and then and then you move on. And there's actually, there are many scenes in the game, uh, some in, some interactive, some you know, just cutscenes, uh, where like, yeah, it's, it's a cool sort of thing that they, they put together, you experience it, you move on. Uh, and it's a cool thing to remember and talk about maybe. And in particular, it's meant to be a co-op experience. And so you talk, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's fun. I like it a lot. If you have someone that you like to play co-op games with, whether they're good or not at video games, like it's a good game to play with them. Cool. Yeah. Also, uh, the game has some fun Easter eggs. The the uh, the director slash studio founder, I guess his name is Joseph Ferris. He gave a speech that's known as the "fuck the Oscars" speech. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's in the game. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Not not the full speech, but like there's like probably a minute's worth of that like speech that's just in the game and it's hidden. And I, I, I found it and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's in here. Wow. And, and the way that they put it in is like super cool. That's Actually, that's awesome. this one I might just spoil it. So if you... Okay, you've got two minutes. Yeah, you, you just, just, I don't know, skip ahead if you don't want to get spoiled. Um, but there's a space section. And in the space section, there's some telescopes. And the telescopes mostly don't do anything except just let you see, like, further into the level. Like, they're just sort of a cool thing you can interact with. But if you point them at the sky, there's, like, uh, little, like, constellations. Oh, okay. And the constellations, like, give you a radio transmission. And they're mostly just, like, little little children's tunes and things like that. But one of them's the funk, the Oscar speech. <laughs> And so the only way you'd find it is because you're pointing this fucking telescope that doesn't actually, that is not actually relevant to like progressing in the game at random places in the sky. Uh, so cool little, cool little Easter egg like that. I really liked the space level. It was really fun. What if the, gold, space. What if the golden disc on, is it Voyager 1 had the fuck the Oscars speech on? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all, truly all of our cultural, most important cultural artifacts. <laughs> Listen, the time travelers had to go back just to just to put it on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another Easter egg uh, that I thought was absolutely ridiculous is that the Ocarina of Time guardhouse slash like Poe seller, Poe buyer room uh, at the, like, you know, Castletown Bridge. Yeah. That room is in the game. What? And, like, you can break pots and there's rubies oh, inside yeah. the oh pots. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was so mad because I broke all of the pots except for one. 
because one pot was bugged out and it was stuck between the shelves and I couldn't break it because I couldn't pick it up. Oh, and man. I couldn't roll into it or anything. And, and so I, I'm, I'm still left wondering, if I broke every single pot, do I get something else? I'll never know because I couldn't break all the pots. Yeah, I pulled that one up. And there was an achievement tied to it. <laughs> I had achievement. I have no idea. Anyway, yeah, there's like there's there's a lot of other like subtle references and callbacks and kind of Easter egg type stuff in the game too. But uh, but those those two I thought were really fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of all my notes about it. So it's it's definitely a big recommend uh, if you have someone. Uh, that you like to play co-op games with, uh, especially if it's, you know, if you have a, a friend or family member or partner that's not like a super heavy gamer, then it's it's definitely a good uh, good co-op experience. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about recommending it, recommending it to small children, to be honest, because although it is very colorful and mostly... Um, like they don't really swear or anything like that and there's no sexual themes except indirect dead bedroom sort of uh, <laughs> commentary that would go over a child's head anyway what did the ESRB say about this game? I haven't, that's a good question actually um, What what is it rated? I mean I have no clue I, I don't apparently it's rated T Okay, I can see that. For animated blood, comic mischief, fantasy violence, and language. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's... I think that's fair, given some of the themes that it deals with. Um, the, the child of the, you know, marriage is maybe, like, 8 to 10. But an actual 8 to 10-year-old would probably, like I said, definitely cry at some of the moments in this game. <laughs> because, like, again, viciously ripping apart a living stuffed animal as, as it as it cries, telling you to not kill it. Yeah, that just seems completely at odds with the Pixar-like qualities that you've just espoused about this game. It's just like, I mean, Pixar movies can get, like, emotional and stuff, but not like that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> The incinerator scene in Toy Story incinerator 3. Scene yeah, but they did. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. The incinerator scene did make me tear up, but they didn't get actually incinerated. They got True. out of it. <laughs> Man, I got hit. Oh, that scene hit me so hard because I got spoiled. Um, like, someone like was posting spoilers and they showed screenshots, right, of that scene. But they said that everyone died. And I didn't know at the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I got spoiled. And like, but there's no, like, that that's surprising. But, you know, they have screenshots. And then I went and I'm and I'm in there and the scene's happening. And then they're like holding hands and like accepting their fate. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, they they actually did it. Jesus. <laughs> Now, I haven't heard good things about Toy Story 4. Would that have been a better ending to the series there? Uh, I mean, Toy Story 3 was the, really... The ending I to Toy Story 3 was amazing. I don't know. I love the ending. I don't know why they did a fourth. Because Disney wants yeah. to make money. You, you, yeah. And 
the thing is, Pixar has right of first refusal. So Disney has the option to hire someone else to make a Toy Story movie, but only if Pixar says no. And so Pixar would rather make another movie that they don't really want to make rather than let someone else take the reins on Toy Story. Mm. And I mean, yeah. so like three is in my mind, like the end, like the proper ending. I didn't mind four. I, th- I still liked four, but definitely three's three was incredible. Anyway, um, that said, that seems a bit of an outlier overall. Uh, but it's definitely a bit more like, like it's definitely about a divorced couple. So, but if you, but if, if Pixar made a movie about a couple getting divorced and then like getting back together through the power of magic, it would, it would be kind of like similar in mm-hmm. like, I think like it, it's not literally a Pixar movie, but it's, it's as close to an interactive Pixar movie as I've ever played it. I mean, I've played Toy Story 2 for the PS1. I have played Toy Okay, I have played some of the Toy Story video games, and It Takes Two feels more like a toy... Um, I was going to say like a Toy Story movie, which I guess kind of, but It Takes Two feels more like a Pixar movie than any of the Toy Story games did, which were mostly like not particularly... They didn't really have much character development or... or uh, emotional stakes or really I mean, much yeah, anything. Yeah, they were licensed. They were just licensed, they were just games. licensed games that happened to have character models that looked like Toy Story. I wonder how Kingdom Hearts 3 ranks as a Toy Story game. Oh, God damn it. I have no idea and I don't want to know. Uh, so anyway, that's it. That's It Takes Two. Yeah, that's a pretty hearty recommend, uh, though I am a bit worried about this studio because I tried to redeem... Uh, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons on the Epic Store, which is free right now, and that I think was that studio's actually first game, uh, and it crashed the Epic Store for me. Awesome! So huh. that's a bad omen. That is that's a bad the first omen. time the Epic Store's crashed on me. <laughs> actually, I don't. I, that, if that's the first time the Epic Store's crashed on you, you've been lucky. <laughs> actually, I don't know if it is uh, them because I, I've played that, and it's a single-player game. Yeah, it's not actually. It's still the same studio. Oh, okay. It's just that they transitioned from, you know, that into, but what if we made it that one person controls each character that we put in the game? (laughs) Right, yeah, that it had, like, each thumbstick was a character or something? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that Animal Crossing game in uh, Nintendo Land. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of the Animal Crossing game in Nintendo Land was incredible. Yeah, such a good multiplayer experience. And I swear, I would have been so happy if they just released some more maps for Nintendo Land, like for the Animal Crossing game, for the Luigi's Mansion game. The Mario, the Mario, the Mario Chase, Chase game, yeah. yeah, like the core gameplay in those was so hype. Like, but how- no, but no, it's, wow, so so unlike Nintendo to release some kind of peripheral or system gimmick that they use once, never again, and no third party touches. Yeah, what so a, unlike them. So unlike them. HD Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> HD Rumble. Oh my god. 
Speaking of Nintendo. Speaking of Nintendo. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, I'm going to call it Arceus because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how they pronounced it in all the marketing. Um, I'm used to calling it Arceus. Uh, but the fact that you have a phone that's called the Arc Phone and it looks like Arceus. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, it's Arcu. It's French. But uh, A R C E U S. It's an acronym. <laughs> um, while while this game doesn't have any elephant murder in it, um, I'll start by addressing the elephant in the room. The graphics. It, it's not the best looking game. It's um it's lacking a bit, but it, it's still better than Sword and Shield. Um, yeah, like the frame rate issues in that game is what's been making me not want to play it. So. Yeah, um, the frame rate issues in Sword and Shield are mostly when you're connected to the online in the wild area. That sounds like something I might want to do. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, Arceus. It's not the best looking game. Uh, there's some pretty bad pop in. Up close, it looks decent. Um, when everything around you has popped in correctly. Um, at a distance, some Pokemon can be moving at pretty low frame rates. Uh, kind of funny to see. But uh, gameplay-wise, uh, it's really enjoyable. Um, I do have some problems with it. Uh, like, one problem I have is... I never really settled on a team because of the lack of battles. There, There is not much in the way of trainer battles in this game, which makes sense considering this is pretty much when people are just starting to catch Pokemon. Right. Um, now, you can battle wild Pokemon, um, especially the alphas, um, which, which the alpha Pokemon are... Just bigger, stronger versions of Pokemon with glowing red eyes. Uh, and I, I feel like I would have settled on it. I, I would have had more of a connection to a team if I had actually battled more. Because you have the option of just stealth catching Pokemon. Yeah. Which <laughs> is actually what I ended up doing mo mostly. So I feel like... Not settling on a team and getting attached to some certain Pokemon. I feel like that's kind of on me because I didn't really battle other than when it was necessary. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of like, you know, running through a Persona game where, like, the weaker Persona, there's a limit to how powerful you get. You progress through that game by getting, you know, either befriending or fusing more and more powerful ones. So you're kind of like, swapping them all the time as they get more powerful. Did you feel like that's how you played this game, where you were, you know, catching higher-level Pokemon than just using them? Uh, in some instances, yeah. Um, there are there were a few that I did actually feel a bit of an attachment to on my team, like my my starter. my uh, I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> my Typhlosion. Um, and I, I was actually doubling up on the fire types on my team because I also had a shiny Hisuian Arcanine. Mm. Um, and I did also have a shiny on Mega. Um, those were ones that kind of just stuck on my team throughout it. Uh, 
but like the other half of my team was kind of just up in the air the whole time. And when it came to what was, what is basically the hardest battle in the game, I, I had to throw together a makeshift team for <laughs> it. Um, which, I mean, it, it's kind of on me, but that, that battle, it, I actually really like... That's one thing I've been wanting a lot in newer Pokemon games is I want, like, actual tough battles. And... Yeah. 100%. And this game does offer a proper tough battle because it's a... Well, how, hopefully you have six Pokemon. It's a 6v6 followed immediately by two legendary battles. Wow. And <laughs> if you... If you black out at any point, you gotta start from the beginning again. Um, and it's back that there's no chance to heal up or anything in between. Um, but it, it's a great battle. And the, the only other instance I can think of in Pokemon that's actually done like a proper, nice, hard battle is in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon with Ultra Necrozma. Um, on my first playthrough of Ultra Moon, I was. I had experience share off. Uh, and I was not using Z-moves, and I had to toxic stall Ultra Necrozma because it could one-shot my entire team. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had to focus sash something and get it to use toxic, and then just <laughs> play the waiting game. <laughs> just revive, 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 revive. <laughs> but, uh, back to Arceus. Uh, I would definitely say it's of the mainline games on the Switch, it's the best one. Okay. Um, because Sword and Shield just feel half baked. They're it's gone. They're they're it's way too linear. Like there's no real like you, you never get confused about where you're supposed to go. It's just so straightforward. I, I miss having puzzles to progress in Pokemon games. I, I miss warp tiles, strength puzzles. Like, do, do you even miss icy floors? Yes. <laughs> I, I'd take an icy floor at this point. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then you've got the issue of Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, which, I mean, they're not necessarily bad because they're more or less one-to-one -one remakes with a few tweaks, but... They, they, they are, in the purest sense, a remake. Or I, I guess more they're more of a remaster, honestly. Right, okay. Um, they're, they're, they, they don't even add any of the quality of life improvements from Platinum for it. That's so crazy <laughs> to me. Um, but yeah, so... Basically, for Legends Arceus, it's... I, I'd say it's kind of stylized like Monster Hunter. You have your base of operation, and then you have multiple smaller open worlds you can choose to travel to. Now, unlike Monster Hunter, like usually when you go there, you have a target. You don't really have a target. You know, you have quests and stuff to work on, but um, you can just go around, see what Pokemon there are, catch whatever you want. You don't even you don't have to battle. You can sneak up on them, throw Pokeballs, which. I, I, I like, but I miss having to actually battle them to catch them. Hmm. Okay. Which 
if I do a replay, maybe I'll do like I got a battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe then I'll actually get a team that I feel I have an attachment to. Yeah, that's so weird for that's, a Pokemon game. Yeah, I I I gotta say, like if when players have to come up with their own constraints to make the game more enjoyable i think that that reflects very poorly on the developers frankly it, it can and it can't it really depends on the game if it's if it's like a game that's like it's first outing out or only like a couple entries into the series yes i agree with you but for something as long running as pokemon where like our old asses coming to it are going to be so familiar with it that we know everything whereas these are still games made for kids like having to put weird restrictions and stuff like that, I, eh. which that's part of the problem I have with them having gotten so much easier now. Yeah, like is, don't don't get me wrong, the Pokemon games are too easy now. They need difficulty settings for sure. Are, but are they saying kids now are dumber than when than when we were kids I by mean, making them so much easier? I mean, I I mean, in some ways yes, in some ways no. Like I have a. I have a couple uh, nieces and nephews that whenever they would come over for Christmas, they would play Mario Kart Wii. And I only had two Wiimotes and they were a big Italian family. There's a lot of kids. Uh, so trying to hand them a GameCube controller to play that game didn't work. <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. What? I... These these were kids that were for, whose first console pretty much was the Wii, mm. and then progressing from that into all touchscreen controls on your phone. Like kids, some kids nowadays have never touched a controller before. So, like that's the only way we could play games as a kid. So we had to learn that. But nowadays, you know, they might not know. Uh, but yeah, I, I know I've been mostly negative on Arceus so far, but I, I actually really enjoyed it. It's a breath of fresh air in the series, because as of late, it's kind of been... As much as I still love playing the new Pokemon game, seeing all the new Pokemon, and working on my living decks, <laughs> um, which I recently made some new additions to, I like having this format change... Um, and there are some things from it that I hope make it into the into Gen Nine. I I like the uh, the big open worlds where you can go around and just see what Pokemon are there and explore. But I I think for like a mainline game, I think maybe doing those on a smaller on a bit of a smaller scale as routes between towns, like you could have your like paved or beaten path like that you can traverse to get between towns but then you could also like go off and explore into the forest or yeah. whatever to just see what pokemon you can find off the route make it like an mmo map <laughs> yeah um the battles are actually pretty flawless the, the transition into battles it's just throw out a pokemon and you're battling there's no loading screen or anything um so that, that that's nice but the battle the battles themselves uh there are a few things i don't I, I wouldn't want to make it into the next generation um each move has you have its normal version you have an agile style version and a strong style version 
Um, the agile style version uh, is it's weaker, but it's faster because this game actually has a turn order, and it's determined based on Pokemon speed, priority of the moves they use. Um, so if you use an agile style move, you could get to attack twice in a row. Um, you might not even have to use an agile style move to be able to attack twice in a row if you use like a fast, high priority move. Um, but if you use strong style, it's a stronger move, but it's slower. So odds are you're then going to get attacked twice in a row. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't think that would be very... I don't think that would be very good in a new mainline game. But I still like the idea of the turn order being affected by your Pokemon speed and the priority of their moves. Um, now, I'm, I'm not a competitive player, but I think that could make the... That would be very interesting to see in the competitive scene. Hmm. Well, speed's already the most important stat in the competitive scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that... A, dy a more a more dynamic turn order definitely seems like an interesting change to the Pokemon combat system. But yeah, it seems odd to me that you'd make every single move have a fast and slow version. Like a more dynamic turn order th that would make sense for like double and triple battles, but just for one on ones, that just seems odd to me for some reason. I'd still rather have it just be like. Both Pokemon choose their move, and then the faster one goes first, and the moves get executed. There are oh, actually no. there are actually situations in Arceus where uh, you you can only ever have one Pokemon at a time, but there are times where you will be fighting multiple Pokemon at once. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, the turn order there, if, if like, well, even if they're like a lower level, they can hurt because. Um, even lower level Pokemon in this game hit like a brick. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of just how Pokemon's damage formulas kind of work as you level up. <laughs> like, sure, you get more HP and defense and stuff like that, but lower level, if they if they can hit you, you know, three times to your one, they can still will you down. Yeah. Um, but some, something else interesting about in turns, it, it it's a little weird is. If you knock out the opponent's Pokemon, or if they knock out yours, um, when you send in your, when you or them send in their next Pokemon, depending on speed, they can either attack right away, or you can get an attack in again first. Um, yeah, that that's a bit weird too. Yeah, I, um, I, I feel like maybe back it up a bit on what they did to the battle. Like I, I think I still prefer something a little closer to the traditional battle system. Um, but, well, actually, something else I, I didn't, don't really like, or I, actually, I'm not sure, I'm kind of on the fence about it, but, um, experience isn't rewarded, if you're fighting, a like, uh, multiple Pokemon, like a trainer who's sending out one Pokemon after another, um, experience isn't rewarded after each knockout. It's rewarded at the end of the battle. So if you have a Pokemon that gets in there and does work, gets a few knockouts, but then it gets knocked out at the end of the battle. If it's knocked out, it doesn't get any experience, even the, even for the work it did. Oh, that's 
I don't, I don't like that. I can understand awarding the experience at the end of the battle because you don't want to have a level up mid battle. I do. <laughs> Let's save my ass sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can understand why you might want to not have that yeah. happen, right? But not giving the experience to the Pokemon that got knockouts—that's that's some garbage. Yeah, that's a little strange. But you do get experience for like catching Pokemon, right? And yes, that's such a big part of the game. In fact, everything in your party gets experience for catching Pokemon. Uh, experience share is once again like in Gen Eight. Well, much like Gen Eight, it's just a mechanic now. It's not even an item. It's just there. Everything in your party gains experience for pretty much anything you do right. that rewards it. With the exception of there are some things in the world like uh, trees or rocks that you can throw Pokemon out at to gather resources from that you can use for crafting. Um, but only the Pokemon you throw out to gather that stuff gains experience, but it's it's just minuscule little amounts of experience. Right. Um no more grinding trees in RuneScape for our uh, uh, a bygone era adventurous young <laughs> uh, young people today. Well, now you'll be grinding trees for berries and a- apricorns to be able to make pokeballs. <laughs> um, or once you have a surplus of money, you can just buy the materials you need to craft them. <laughs> um, now, yeah. One thing that you mentioned earlier that like. It's kind of insidious to me. It is the whole like stealth catching Pokemon with the traditional Pokemon game. It's like now that I've seen how Legend Ar- Arceus plays, like there's a disconnect for me from like you know you send out your Pokemon, they fight, and then you just kind of like throw a Pokeball from off screen and catch the Pokemon. But in in Legends Arceus, like you're a little like you know kind of stalking around the tall grass and like sneaking up on Pokemon, like chucking at them at them while while they're like not looking and catching them. And it's like it's so much more insidious than just like, yes, you really are taking these like wild animals out of their natural habitat and yep. storing them in your fucking tech techno ball. <laughs> um I, I like to think that the Pokemon eventually learned from the trainers, and that's why they started hiding in the tall grass. Yeah, like, that's a defense mechanism for them. <laughs> that, like, they saw oh. us doing it to catch them, so now they use it to hide. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I haven't talked about the uh, story yet. Um, immediately, it starts out, it's a time travel plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still don't entirely know... I mean, it's Arceus who brings you to the past. Um, yeah, whatever. Time travel makes sense if you're talking about Ar- Arceus and, like, Diamond Pearl because, you know, Palkia and Dialga are supposed to represent time and space. Yep. So. Um, but, I, I mean, the story, it's it's okay. It's nothing too special, but... It's a, it's a, it's a Pokemon story? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say it's a better story than Sword and Shield is still, there, though. Is, is there an enemy team, criminal organization, doing anything? There's three goons who occasionally pop up for you to fight, and then th- there's one person that you fight towards the end that's uh, 
That that is that hard battle I was talking about. Mm. Uh, They send Giovanni back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it's someone's ancestor. Giovanni in the Shogun era. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that is one thing about this game. A lot of the characters, you can clearly tell they're ancestors of uh, po- uh, characters in future Pokemon games. Oh, that's funny. Um, like, Silene, who uh, is part of the... I, I can't remember what the name of the... Uh, group you're working with. It, it, it's, it's the Galactic something. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> um, but their leader, or well, not their leader, but uh, one of the higher ups, uh, Silene, is quite clearly the ancestor of Cyrus, leader of Team Galactic. Hmm. Um, and Cynthia has two ancestors in that game. Oh. <laughs> Are they as terrifying as she is? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but, and there's two clans. Uh, one is the Pearl Clan and one is the Diamond Clan. And I, I'm pretty sure the leader of the Pearl Clan is supposed to be May's ancestor. Okay. Um, Getting our regions mixed up here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some, uh, there's some overflow from re- Actually, uh, I won't... There is one other person in the game who is also from the future. Aside from the person you play as. Um, It's Pikachu! (laughs) uh, Yes, Pikachu is in the game. (laughs) Many, many Pikachu and Raichu and Pichu. Mm. Um, Yeah, uh, story... It, it, yeah, it's better than Sword and Shield, but nothing too too special. It, it, it's enjoyable. It, it's serviceable enough. Um, but I think as a proof-of-concept game for what it, what the series could become, I there, there, there's stuff I like about it. But also, I wouldn't mind if the games kept a more traditional style... With some of these tweaks, but if they had a Legends series on series on the side, right? That's I, I. That's kind of what I think they're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, because like Pokemon Legends Arceus is very much like. Well, honestly, what I thought they were gonna do with like Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, I thought that was gonna be like. A thing going forward. Yeah, like, I was expecting a Let's Go Johto yeah. <laughs> at some point. Fucking Let's Go Totodile! <laughs> let's Go Togepi. Um, Totodile is my favorite starter. Of any starter. Totodile is pretty great. I, I, Turfway, baby. Totodile mm. has so much character. See, I, I am more of a Cyndaquil person for Gen 2. Oh, yeah. But... I just have fond memories of Totodile just <laughs> biting on Jesse's hair in the yeah. anime. Anime Totodile was really <laughs> sick. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to go on and say it. Anime Totodile. Better than anime Squirtle. Fuck the Squirtle, Squirtle Squad. Oh, man. Mm. 
I want my I want my hypergator. <laughs> like like on the one hand, I want to disagree with you, and on the other hand, you are kind of right. <laughs> Did you know that for alligator is spelt the way it is because they were one character short on the character limit in Gen Two? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like supposed to be a be a, a thing a play on feral. Well, no, well, no, no. The, the gator part, the yeah, it's G A T R. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, for, oh. That, that's why. That's <laughs> really. Yes. I must have forgotten as, about as, that. As somebody who's tried doing those, like, try to name every like Pokemon from Johto in like ten minutes or whatever, that one always trips me up because <laughs> I'm like, for alligator. Oh, that's not it. for alligator. Like er. Like, oh, that's not it either. What gator. the fuck? <laughs> just gator. Yeah. Okay. I just forgot about that. It's like guy. a stock ticker. <laughs> uh but yeah i i feel like i feel like there's some other pokemon they like some other legendaries they could go with for another legends game because arceus was relegated to an event code yes it, it never... literal pokemon god here's a code <laughs> yeah so giving it kind of its moment um, is nice. So I'd like to see a Pokemon Legend Zygarde because <laughs> right we never got a Pokemon Z or Z here in Canada. Um, and Zygarde was basically just chilling in a cave after you beat the Elite Four. No story for it. Nothing. Yeah, I feel like we could also maybe get a Pokemon Legend Celebi. So, I'm going to say no to that because of the GameCube Pokemon games. If I recall correctly, Celebi was a big part of either, I think, Colosseum. Or was that Jirachi? One of the two was a big part of either that or Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. I forget. But no, Gale of Darkness was all about that Lugia. That was, that, that, that was Lugia. That was Dark Lugia. Yeah. I, I need to play Gale of Darkness. I've never played it. I played Colosseum. That game's really weird. Yeah, I don't think that the GameCube Pokemon games were. They were. They were weird. It, is Colosseum not just like another stadium? No, because it the has name. A story. Okay, because the name this whole time has just made me think it's another stadium. Not quite. Like your fuck. I think your starters in that game is Eevee and. Or not Eevee, it's Umbreon and Espeon. Yeah. Which is pretty sick, honestly. Uh, but you fight you fight a, a gang, a Ludicolo gang. It's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There, there are some weird Pokemon games, man. <laughs> now, one more good thing I will say about Arceus is it is the dream shiny hunting game. Oh god damn it! <laughs> the loot um, and the shinies. I I agree. With, luster. I agree with you. Between Pokemon Go and Legends Arceus, the, the shiny economy is getting diluted. But at the same time, give me the shinies. <laughs> damn it! The damn Pokemon government giving everybody these shiny stimulus checks is ruining the economy. <laughs> What are people supposed to work for? 
Universal basic shinies. If everyone has a shiny, no one has a shiny. <laughs> just last night, I was just going around and I found a shiny haunter, a shiny. Oh, gee, I can't remember right now. There, there was a haunter, and there were two other things that I just found just walking around. And actually, another time, I was just, I was just flying around the map. And I just found two different shiny Paris. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, I've played Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow, Pokemon Gold, Pokemon Silver, Pokemon Crystal, Pokemon Heart Gold, Pokemon Ruby. Uh, let's see. I played X, and then I also... There's definitely a gen I missed in there somewhere that I've also played. And in all of those games... The only shinies I have gotten are pretty much red Gyarados. Yep. <laughs> I, I didn't get my first full-odd shiny until Pokemon X. And I don't know what it is. Because uh, even after... That sounds like the shiny economy has been inflated. Because <laughs> even after starting a new game on Pokemon X... Because I'd found a bunch of shinies before starting a new game on there. And on that new game, I found two more full-odds. I, I think there's. I think my copy of X is just blessed. <laughs> I need to play. I need to play new games on it more. Wow. Which actually, while I do have problems with X and Y, I, they, they feel like just the driest of the game. Like I, yeah. I don't think the first games after they're transitioning to 3D weren't great. It's because they based the region on France. <laughs> Damn it, France! I, I will say after sword playing Sword and Shield. I actually enjoyed my replay of X a lot more. <laughs> okay, okay. Is there even a baguette in XY? Uh, How can you have France without baguettes? I mean, there's some very, very, very stereotype uh, characters there in are X some, and Y. It's true. <laughs> One of the gems is in the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Team Flare, worst team, changed my mind. Yeah, I, actually, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I have a retort for that. Like, actually, I don't know. They're at least they're snazzy dressers. They are snazzy dressers, and as much as I liked um, t uh, black and white, the team in that one kind of was lame, just because their leader's name was a single character. <laughs> N, really. Really? <laughs> That's the name of your character? Whatever, and then X and Y happened and they had fucking Zed or whatever. <laughs> the dude uh, that's a thousand years old. Does he show up in our Legends, Legends Arceus? No. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, char the character that's canonically a thousand years old doesn't show up in the time travel game. Actually, I think he's older than that. Because this is his line, I've waited 3,000 years. I don't remember <laughs> See, that if would it was 1,000 or 3,000. That would make too much sense. You know, that, that, that would be like a cohesive oh, That was so weird when they did that, X and yeah. Y. <laughs> it was so out of nowhere. The no, it was the lead up. It was the lead up for the time travel. Wait. He's not there. Maybe you are them. Timelines. You are the demons all along. John. No, thinking on it, I'm... <laughs> thinking on it, 
I might actually have to give worst team to the team in Sword and Shield. Actually, the lack of a team in Sword and Shield. There is Team Yell, but they're just the groupies for another trainer participating in the gym challenge. Come on, everybody knows there's no crime in Britain. They've got cameras on every lamppost. Come on, you're not allowed to buy knives. How could there be crime? But uh, we've gone a little off topic. Uh, We're still talking about Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a... Yeah, where's, uh, where's Pokemon Great Britain? That, 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 that was that, Sword and that, Shield. Sword and Shield. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. Sword and Shield. Oh, yep. okay. I See, I didn't play it, so... No, there you go. Where's Pokemon Canada, eh? Oh, yay. I, I, I want there to be an entire gym that's that's threatening to separate from the uh, the, the Pokemon 8, gym, eight uh, gym leader kind of thing they had going on. Come on, like the the forest, the, you know, the, like, like the grass types, they, just, they should be yeah. in a lot of cattle. Yeah. With a moose. <laughs> I, I, want, I, want, I want to choose between a beaver, a moose, and a geese. <laughs> I don't know how you missed the moose-goose connection there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't forget, the fire, the fire star does have to be based on something off of the uh, Zodiac. That is the pattern. Really? Yeah. Huh. What's Cyndaquil? Uh, Cyndaquil is supposed to be the rat. Cyndaquil well, is it, not like, a rat. Like, yeah, but it just, uh, it's no, not like no, they're, not, it. they're not based off it exactly, but like something similar. But a lot of them do yeah, match. The pig, uh, the monkey, the, the chicken. Like, I guess... I guess... I don't think there's a fox... Um, I, I think the fox is like class is like supposed to be the dog. Or, okay. Um, and then you have the rabbit in Gen Eight. Right. Well, okay, fine. You you're the ram, baby. Best year. Yep, you're the ram. <laughs> or fire snake. <laughs> We've already had a grass snake and and a poison, multiple poison snakes. <laughs> Snivy is just. Oh, Love his pop collar. Yeah. Or, well, Superior's pop collar. Yeah. <laughs> Smugleaf, as everyone was calling him before we knew the name. Yes. That's a li- that th- that's what I nicknamed mine. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should probably wrap up now. Yeah, we should wrap up this uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus section. And... The entire podcast in general. Yeah, this too. is the end of our three act structure. Truly, it's you know, a yours was the dark middle chapter with it takes two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, in in conclusion, buy some 3ds games while you still can, or pirate them. I guess I don't know. I'm hoping to see a big sale. There probably won't be, <laughs> but they're <I'm> Nintendo. <laughs> There will not be a sale. Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> speaking of which, I think, like, uh, Cyberpunk, like, went off of, like, a bunch of places stopped doing sales for Cyberpunk now that the 1.5 patch was released or something like that. <laughs> so it's just like, hey, we finally fixed the game. Pay us more for it. <laughs> wow. Uh, but 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 also apparently a bunch of people that asked for refunds uh, on PSN got got their money refunded, but they didn't get the game removed from their library. Oh, <laughs> so uh, 
But that's more news for another day. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening to the Angry Sun Zone. Uh, as always, be sure to check out our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel, which we've actually been streaming somewhat regularly for a change. More regularly than the podcast. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, podcast. Stream is new friend now. Yeah, friendship ended with podcast. Uh, we've, you know, we we kind of wrapped up our Monster Ranch 2 series, and we played a little bit of Magic. We played a bow uh, Kickstarter demo of a upcoming kind of action platformer. Action platformer Castlevania-esque Hollow Knight type game. Yeah, so be sure to tune in to Angry Sun Zone and on Twitch. Give us a follow. That, that makes sure that you'll get notified when we go live. And, you know, check us out on YouTube. Give us a subscribe there. Give us a follow on Twitter. Just make, make it so that when we talk you'll be able to listen. And if you have some long-form critiques, uh, you know, feel free to email us at angrysunzone at outlook.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and read your words. Yeah. We should set up a voicemail number. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I kind of want to get a burner phone and just change my name on Steam to that phone number and just play Apex and just see if I get any calls. Oh, man. I saw this I saw a stupid video where someone did that in Escape from Tarkov. <laughs> that, that's a good game to do that. Yeah. Yeah, well and and she picked up the phone and then every single time people were like, "Oh, oh, it's a girl. Oh no." This <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Oh. Obviously edited the most ridiculous ones, but yeah. Anyway, that's it. Why are you still listening? Go home. <laughs> I don't care that you're already home. You're not home. I am home. No, I am home. You are in my home. But my home is a lot of people's home. Because it's an apartment. Just hit stop recording already. <laughs>